Welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Dr. Terry Walls, a professor of medicine at the University of Iowa, where she teaches primary care and conducts clinical trials. She was diagnosed with secondary progressive multiple sclerosis in 2000, and by 2003, she was dependent on a tilt-recline wheelchair. Despite daily injections of drugs, her condition continued to deteriorate through 2007 when she took matters into her own hands. She was studying the medical literature and had developed an intensive healing protocol that had her pedaling a bike through the Rockies within a year and a half. This is an incredibly important story with implications for all of us. So I'm so pleased that Dr. Walls could join us today and share this amazing story and her research with us. Welcome. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. Could you tell us a bit about your state of health in 2007? So uh, I was certainly battling severe fatigue. I was certainly spending more and more of my time fully reclined or in bed. Uh, I was losing my keys, losing my phone. I could not sit in a standard chair. I uh, needed zero-gravity chairs, uh, which can tilt back, put your knees up higher than your nose, and let gravity hold you in the chair. I could uh, get up and walk short distances with uh, two canes. And uh, I would say, uh, because I was losing my keys, my phone, I needed a daily planner to get uh, my tasks done. And I was certainly having nightmares about my chief of staff calling me in and saying, you know, Terry, it's time to revoke your clinical privileges because it's clear that your memory is beginning to be affected. Wow. It was not good. It was not good. So what systems in the body does MS affect? So MS is an autoimmune disease. That means that uh, the body is beginning to attack itself. In the case of MS, it's the white blood cells that have, uh, are now attacking the myelin. And uh, myelin is the fatty insulation around the wiring between brain cells. Uh, it's just like if you take the um, insulation off the wiring in your house, you expect to get uh, trouble with the house fire. Mm-hmm. If you damage the insulation on the wiring in your brain, you can expect to have trouble, and it can be with Uh, walking, with vision, with thinking. Uh, And as you get more and more damage uh, to the myelin, uh, there's more extensive loss of function. And what is the normal prognosis for this kind of disease? So uh, 80% of people are diagnosed with relapsing remitting at first. And uh, I was as well. That's where you have an episode of worsening and things gradually get better. Um, and so you go worsening, getting better. Um, within 10 years, uh, probably 75% of people with relapse and remitting have converted to secondary progressive. Uh, there's not much for acute worsening, but the person uh, will continue to gradually decline. Uh, treatments uh, may slow the decline, but uh, they do not return function that has been lost. What were you doing to treat the disease at that time? So, you know, I, being a professor of medicine, I was getting the best care from the best people. I uh, went and uh, started initially with Copaxone. Um, when my disease was reclassified as secondary progressive, I took uh, Novantrone, which is a, like a cancer chemotherapy. When Tizabri became available, I took Tizabri. Uh, then Tizabri was pulled from the market, and I switched to Celsept, which is another uh, very potent immune-suppressing drug. Uh, and uh, that's what I was doing uh, at 2007 uh, mm-hmm. when I took over much more of my own health care. So when you say immune-suppressing, because it's an autoimmune disease, they Correct. were basically giving you suppressants to suppress your immune system so you wouldn't attack yourself. Correct. You know, they, they, they give you poisons that mm-hmm. will poison your white blood cells mm-hmm. so they can't do uh, as much damage protecting you. But mm-hmm. that also means they can't protect you from infection as well. Sure, sure. As you get more ill, uh, then they will give you 
a more potent poison that more aggressively suppresses your immune system. So all of this stuff was weakening you progressively. It wasn't really addressing a cure at all. What made you start looking outside this pharmaceutical paradigm? So, you know, when I first hit the wheelchair, I started reading the medical literature. And at first, I was looking for the latest uh, drug studies, the latest research on MS. Then, um, after the first year of doing that, uh, then I began to think, you know, maybe I should look at basic science articles, articles in which the mice are the um, subjects of the experiment, because basic science is 10 to 30 years ahead of uh, clinical science. Uh, of course, the problem was I had to relearn a lot of biochemistry, uh, cellular physiology. Uh, and so this was slow going. But I eventually identified a list of uh, vitamins and compounds that had protected mouse brains against the animal models of Parkinson's, of Huntington's disease, and Alzheimer's. And I translated those mouse-sized doses to human doses and began my first round of self-experimentation. And my conclusion from that was, uh, though the vitamins were not uh, making me stronger, if I didn't take them, I was even more exhausted and could not get out of bed. Mm-hmm. So I uh, reached the conclusion that these vitamins were slowing down my disease. Mm-hmm. Then and these, uh, these uh, were just uh, kind of over-the-counter vitamins. Yep, yeah, yeah. over-the-counter is uh, fish oil, uh, B vitamins, and coenzyme Q. Mm-hmm. And where did you go from there? Well, uh, you know, by the summer of 2007, um, I'm weak. Uh, it's clear to me that I won't be able to work much longer. Um, my thinking is certainly slower. Uh, but I discovered an organization called the Institute for Functional Medicine. And uh, they were devoted to using the latest, the latest basic science to help treat uh, complicated uh, chronic diseases. And I saw they had a course called Neuroprotection and neurodegeneration. So I ordered that course and started studying again, uh, learning a lot more brain cell biology and things I could do to protect mine. Uh, And so my list of vitamins and supplements uh, got somewhat longer. Uh, And then I had what I think was really a, a brilliant epiphany, and that was that, you know, I shouldn't be relying just on pills. I should be uh, getting these important nutrients from the food I ate. And that I should design my food around what my brain cells needed and what my mitochondria need. Uh, And so I went to the uh, medical text looking for where these uh, nutrients were in the food supply. And, of course, they didn't have that information. Uh, Then I went to the nutrition science text, and they didn't have that information. Uh, Then I went and started talking to registered dietitians that I knew, and they did not have that information. But the Internet did. (laughs) And so uh, by searching through the Internet, uh, nutrient by nutrient, I was uh, gradually able to identify uh, the foodstuffs that were the best sources for all of these nutrients. Uh, and I also learned a lot about a kind of diet called the hunter-gatherer diet, mm-hmm. which is what humans ate uh, for two and a half million years. We could, we could only eat what we... Uh, we could only eat what we can gather or uh, capture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a lot of grass, uh, a lot of greens, a lot of sulfur, a lot of color. Uh, nuts, berries, um, meat, fish that you can catch. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, that's also called the paleo diet, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in study after study, the uh, paleo diet has more vitamins, minerals, essential fats per calorie than any other uh, diet. Certainly mm-hmm. far more than the uh, diet based on the food pyramid or the American heart diet or the uh, diabetic diet. This is so interesting because we had a guest, a nutritionist on our show a few weeks ago, 
um, Dr. Nora Gedgaudis, who also was talking about the paleo diet and all of the diseases that it could uh, reverse. So what, what I find so interesting here is that you actually were addressing the root cause of the disease. Now, you mentioned your mitochondria. Your your book yes. is actually called Minding My Mitochondria. Tell yes. us what the mitochondria are and oh, sure. how uh, they're affected. So the reason you and I are larger than a single cell is because we have mitochondria. The mitochondria are the little sub parts of the cell uh, that manage and control the power for the cell. Mm-hmm. And you use that power, that energy, to drive all of the other chemical reactions that are necessary to be alive. Our brains are particularly dependent upon our mitochondria. And so you know, I think my um, stroke of brilliance was if we attend to the nutritional needs of the smallest parts of our body which are our mitochondria and our cells, and help those become as efficient, as effective as possible, then my organs, my tissues, my organs will become healthier and more vital, more capable of doing their functions. Uh, And so I wanted to uh, be sure that my mitochondria had everything that they would need you know, and that took a while to identify. Uh, because I, you know, I'd, in medical school, I'd memorized all those uh, biochemical reactions in the mitochondria, but I hadn't learned which of those substrates or building blocks that you had to get from your food. Uh, and you know, going back and identifying in those list of chemical reactions, what do we have to eat? And then going further and figuring out, okay, so what foods would I have to eat? Uh, to be sure I had those nutrients. Hmm. Well, you know, going to a a food and supplement-based approach is a pretty significant departure from the conventional MS interventions. Did you experience any pushback from your doctors or your colleagues? Well, you know, I'm sort of a uh, determined person, I guess, that way. I uh, redid my diet and refocused my supplements without consulting with either my neurology doc or my primary care doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm still taking my Cellcept. Um, and when I started this intervention, keep in mind, I had fully understood and accepted that secondary progressive MS is a one-way street, only downhill. And that my goal was very simple. I wanted to flatten out my descent a bit more. I was hoping I could continue walking the short distance that I was uh, longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, it did not occur to me that, in fact, I was discovering something that would lead to remarkable regression or remarkable improvement. Uh, and, in fact, you know, I had to improve really quite dramatically. I, I, so I started all this in November, uh, and... By January, I can walk with one cane uh, between exam rooms. Uh, By March, I can walk throughout the hospital here without a cane. It's not until April that I uh, begin to have, entertain the possibility that, you know, I wonder how well I could become. Mm. Uh, And, you know, I think that's in part because one goes through, you know, the denial, bargaining, grieving, and you finally get to acceptance as you become progressively disabled. Uh, and I had accepted that that was my fate. Uh, it takes a lot then to to be willing to consider adopting hope for a remarkable improvement. Isn't that an extraordinary characteristic of human beings? Um, we're yeah. afraid to hope because we were afraid we might get our hopes dashed. Well, you know, it's, it's part of the acceptance. You mm-hmm. uh, finally come to terms with this is your reality. And it takes a great deal to change that reality then. So what are your insights about the actual causes of MS? Ah, so 
If you ask the neurology community now, what is the trigger that starts MS? They'll all have to say they don't know. There are some theories, but they don't really know. And then they'll say there's something in the environment, we have no idea what, that keeps the disease sort of active. There are many genes involved in why you have a higher risk. Uh, maybe some infection triggers it and something in the environment keeps it going. So now my thoughts are, yes, uh, there are many genes involved. So I have enzymes that are less effective at perhaps managing my B vitamins, perhaps managing the sulfur in my body. I, uh, in these genes, therefore make it harder to get rid of toxins. So my exposure to mercury, heavy metal, plastics are more likely to accumulate in my brain where they cause damage. Um, I may have the genes that put me at much higher risk of developing food allergies, which can worsen inflammation. Uh, and then depending on how I'm handling the stress in my life, my chronic stress hormones may be severely elevated. And so, so I now see MS as uh, a disease that has many different uh, vulnerabilities that can contribute to developing the disease, and that could be uh, less effective enzymes, too many toxins in your body, uh, the development of food allergies, uh, chronic elevations of uh, cortisol. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my approach uh, for myself is I'm looking at all the environmental factors that we know of that impact health, and I'm trying to take each one of those uh, health behaviors and point it away from sickness towards health-promoting behaviors. Yeah, that that's uh, an amazing revelation uh, within the medical paradigm. You added a number of other things to your protocol because we've been talking about your nutritional and supplement interventions, but Correct. you also added uh, something to do with mus muscle stimulation. Sure. Uh, because I'm on the Institutional Review Board, which reviews research uh, at the University of Iowa, I was introduced to the use of neuromuscular electrical stimulation in people who had been uh, uh, injured with their spinal cord. That made me wonder if it could help MS. I uh, did a quick lit search. Uh, no one had studied that. Uh, but I still went to see my physical therapist and uh, spoke with him. Uh, he ag agreed to let me have a test session. It hurt a lot, but it also felt wonderful. And I was probably from the endorphins, uh, which is like the runner's high. Mm -hmm. And so uh, working with Dave, he created a progressive <laughs> exercise program and training program specific to me using uh, neuromuscular electrical stem. Uh, and so I uh, would started my training program, and I did it every morning, every evening, I found that I was not as tired if I did it uh, to the neuromuscular electrical stem. And so that, that certainly was also another important part uh, of my rehab. I just want to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, point out to the, the listeners that you have always been an intensely physical person. You were a, a, a medal winner in Taekwondo and yes. and all kinds of other stuff. So it must have been terribly frustrating for you to to find yourself weakening like this so i'm not surprised that you had the determination to fight back or um that doing the neuromuscular stem which is painful which is challenging but yeah i really saw that as part of uh renewing physical training back into my life again mm -hmm. so i was very grateful for that opportunity i'm wondering as you know, as a physician, the, uh, are you familiar with the work of Robert Becker? Uh, uh, no, a, I'm not. He wrote a book called The Body Electric and another book oh, called Cross yes. Currents. I have read that book. I have read that book. That is a great book. I and like it a lot. It, it, it's fascinating because he discovered that electrical stimulation, electromagnetic um, stimulation, while it can damage us, it can also um, lead to healing. And I'm wondering whether 
the the protocols that you were using with your electrostimulation were actually possibly stimulating healing as well as just suppressing the pain. Uh, I think that's quite possible. Uh, the electric stimulation, uh, there are studies showing that it releases hormones called nerve growth factors, which stimulate uh, increasing uh, connectivity in the brain. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, that could be uh, part of that. Fascinating. So uh, tell us a little more about the, the, the population of MS. There, there, there are hundreds of thousands of sufferers so in the country. I think there are about 400,000 people with MS uh, in the United States. Uh, typically, uh, people are diagnosed uh, in their 20s to 40s. Uh, by the time the person's in their uh, 45 to 50 range, the diagnosis is often transitioning to secondary progressive MS. Uh, women are more commonly uh, affected than men, uh, but we are now seeing children as young as five being affected by MS. My thought as to why that is has to do with uh, the terrible nutrition, uh, the increased level of toxins, uh, in the uh, higher level of food allergies that are not being recognized. Wow. And with, with the decreased nutrition, of course, your mitochondria have less energy to, for repair and regeneration. Correct. It, it makes uh, the cells sluggish and less effective, which mm-hmm. makes the organs less uh, effective and uh, promotes chronic disease, promotes early aging, uh, and uh, greater fatigue and exhaustion. So let's go into what you discovered about diet. You, you took this primary science and you translated it into the grocery shelf. Correct, correct. You know, it, uh, I, I sort of evolved uh, the concepts to make it easier to teach, because uh, I uh, teach this to my uh, patients in clinic now. Uh, and so it starts with uh, trying to get nine cups of vegetables in. And uh, we're talking nine cups of vegetables and fruit. That's a, uh, three dinner platefuls. Uh, and I divide it between a plateful of green leaves, a plateful of sulfur-containing vegetables, and a plateful of bright color. Uh, the green leaves... Uh, would be things like kale, spinach, romaine lettuce, parsley, uh, mustard greens. Uh, the sulfur-containing vegetables would be uh, the cabbage family, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, radishes, turnips, rutabagas. Uh, the color Mushrooms. can be uh, vegetables as in uh, tomatoes, peppers, uh, red uh, cabbage, beets, carrots, or it can be berries, uh, peaches, oranges. Mm-hmm. I also recommend uh, grass-fed meat, wild fish, uh, to be high in omega-3s. And uh, organ meat, are all the primitive societies greatly valued organ meat. And organ meat is a very concentrated source of B vitamins, minerals, essential fats. Tremendous mm-hmm. nutrition. Our ancestors, our great-great-grandmothers, knew organ meat every week. Uh, And I recommend seaweed uh, because so many of us are depleted in iodine, selenium, and other trace minerals. In what form do you take the seaweed? Um, Well, you can uh, cook with it. Uh, For convenience, I get powdered organic kelp, and I uh, get at least a quarter teaspoon every day. Oh, not that much. Just No, not that much. Okay. And then, uh, as I said, High-quality protein, I want grass-fed meat, wild fish, uh, and, uh, as I said, the seaweed. Uh, Algae uh, is also helpful, and I'll take a half teaspoon to a teaspoon of algae, stir it up in the glass, and drink it like a a shot. It's very Mm -hmm. green, very intense, uh, but that's packed with uh, a lot of uh, wonderful minerals and nutrition. Mm -hmm. So that's things like spirulina? Spirulina, chlorella, uh, Mm -hmm. Klamath blue-green algae. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. You are a, a, a medical doctor, so you had the sort of intestinal fortitude as well as the background to go and uh, really against the medical establishment and 
mm-hmm. I mean, devise your own your own protocol. What um, that's absolutely true. I um, was basically uh, doing what many physicians who are faced with terrible problems uh, they begin to self experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes that works out well, and sometimes uh, the physician doesn't do so well. Uh, I was very fortunate. But but there's there's another level of thinking, which is that you were actually taking responsibility back from the shoulders of the physician onto yourself, your own healing. That's an enormous step. Health, you know, all of us can do, in a large sense, a lot of what I did. I, I addressed the health behaviors, and it's our health behaviors that determine are we well or are we ill? It's not whether or not you're taking the drugs. It has far more to do with what we're eating, what we're doing, uh, what we're doing about our toxic load. But it's so much easier to take a drug. Well, you know, I used to think that's what patients preferred. Uh, now I realize uh, when you present to patients uh, the choices of drugs versus addressing health behaviors, uh nine out of ten will prefer to address the health behavior. Uh, I think the problem is the physicians uh, have not embraced health behaviors themselves, and so uh, they are only familiar with drugs. Mm-hmm. It's very unfortunate. But I'm, I'm making a great headway at changing that culture here at uh, the Carver College of Medicine. It's very exciting. That I wish we could can that and and uh, spread it around. Uh, that that's really very unusual, and I understand that you're now in a clinical trial with your protocol. Yes. Now, considering that it's based on a non-drug intervention, where are you getting your support, your financial support for the trial? Um, Ashton Embry uh, has a nonprofit organization, uh, Direct MS Charity of Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, he provided the initial seed money. DJO Incorporated, uh, the manufacturer of the device, uh, provided the devices. Uh, the device being life, the electrical stimulation devices? Electrical stimulation units. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pinnacle Life uh, is providing many, although not all, but they're providing many of the supplements that we use. Uh, so with all of that together, we got basically $100,000 of, of support to get this study going. Uh, and then I have uh, some uh, paid research assistants, and I have a number of uh, volunteers who are uh, helping conduct the study. And we have a lot of uh, uh, enthusiasm, uh, particularly now as we see people uh, do so very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's extraordinary. And and you, uh, how many people have been through the protocol so far? Are you seeing it replicated so in numbers? We have uh, we have eight people uh, in the in the main study. Mm-hmm. We had uh, one person. Well, actually, we we consented nine. Uh, one person uh, withdrew. Uh, we're not sure why. Another person uh, had to withdraw because she had continued to decline and was no longer uh, competent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've taken our uh, preliminary data uh, and sent it to the 2011 Neuroscience Conference. They accepted the abstract. It'll get presented on November 13th. Uh, and then we're given the uh, wonderful honor of being identified as a hot topic, which means uh, I believe on November 13th, the uh, Neuroscience Conference will include this in the press release. And so there'll be a... Um, uh, a media packet that will have more details on our uh, study response. That's incredibly exciting. Uh, I, I'm sure it must be uh, of great um, satisfaction for you oh, and, and you your know, colleagues. Immensely. Uh, many people had said uh, my recovery was uh, just sort of a spontaneous remission. Uh, and I said, well, the way to test that is test this protocol and others. Mm-hmm. Now, what is, I think, really quite remarkable is fortunate that I was on the IRB, which is the Institutional Review Board that reviews research. Mm-hmm. They had seen me develop the profound level of disability 
Uh, and then they saw this amazing recovery. Uh, and I think it was because of that that when I put, brought back the research protocol, which is going to test my um, interventions, uh, you know, originally the pharmacy committee said, no, there's no human safety data. We can't approve this. Uh, the committee that I rewrote my protocol without supplements and the IRB committee disapproved my protocol, called me in with the pharmacy and said, we want Dr. Walls to do this study. We need to have you and her work out what's the safety monitoring. We want her to use the exact same protocol that she used the first year of her recovery. Uh, and so we now have about $10,000 worth of safety monitoring that we do. Uh, but we managed to get the protocol approved, which really mirrors very closely uh, what I did. Uh, and we certainly have answered the question, uh, will this help others? Uh, because we're seeing some very positive, uh, very encouraging uh, findings. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. We're, we're needing, needing to take another short break now, but we will be right back with our guest, Dr. Terry Walls. What do Hay House authors think about the I Can Do It conference? Hi, this is Cheryl Richardson, and I'm from Massachusetts, in case you can't tell by my accent. You know, what I love about the I Can Do It festivals is probably the same thing attendees love. I get to see a lot of my colleagues and to hang out and catch up and have fun. It's also what I really love for the participants. People walk away from this making lifelong friends, and to me, that's one of the great hidden benefits of these events. I always ask audiences, how many of you have made a new friend in, like, probably... 30 to 40% of the hands go up and I say, how many of you feel like this friendship is going to really last a long time? And all the same hands go up. So that's a good thing. You already know ahead of time that you have some really important common interests when you get here. And hey, who knows? Maybe if you're single, you could find somebody too who's already way ahead of the game. I'm Colette Baron reed and I am here in fabulous Toronto, Ontario, Canada at the I Can Do It conference. I guess my most favorite thing is that I get to stand in front of so many people. There's no comparison between seeing us live. If I wasn't on the stage, I'm in a workshop. So, you know, for me too, I'm both a consumer and an author. So I get to hear some of my favorite authors and I will sit in their seminars. And, and really, there's no comparison. Don't miss out. Join us for an I Can Do It event near you in 2011. For more information, go to ICanDoIt.net. You are listening to New Consciousness Review. You can learn more about Miriam Knight's guests by visiting the NCR online showcase of Conscious Media, where you'll find thousands of spiritual and progressive titles of authors and filmmakers. And now let's get back to Miriam and her guest. And we're back discussing Minding My Mitochondria with Dr. Terry Walls. Um... Can you tell us more about um, <clears throat> your book and uh, oh, sure. what, what, what do you have in the book? So uh, the first chapter is uh, just a summary of my own personal story. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in the subsequent chapters, I uh, go through, and I think in a very readable a format uh, for the layperson with a, a basic understanding of biology. What are some of the key steps that your brain needs to do to make myelin, that fat insulation, and to make neurotransmitters, and what your mitochondria need to be as efficient as possible? So I explain what are the specific vitamins and minerals that have been identified as uh, important to those structures. And then I also explain where you might find those nutrients in the food supply. Mm -hmm. uh, I talk a bit about food allergies, uh, the challenges with diagnosing them, and what are the most common food allergies, and give people some initial steps that they could take on their own to begin to understand uh, to what foods they may be sensitive uh, and then I, uh, something I think is very important is to get, help people understand uh, 
how to begin to eat this new way. Uh, and in uh, so we've got a little over a hundred recipes. Hmm. Now, the recipes range from uh, lots of greens, lots of vegetables, to uh, some gluten-free uh, recipes uh, for a variety of familiar foods, uh, bread alternatives, dessert alternatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and keeping in mind that people then can have the option of just greatly increasing their fruits and vegetables, going gluten-free, or going more paleolithic, depending on how deeply they want to go uh, on this journey. I noticed you didn't mention sugar. What's your view on sugar? Uh, sugar dramatically worsens inflammation. It will feed the wrong uh, bugs in your uh, gut, leading to what we call dysbiosis or uh, too many sugar-loving yeast, too many sugar-loving uh, bacteria. So uh, sugar is a big problem. Mm-hmm. And I uh, urge the use of spices instead. Uh, and in general, I would not replace that with agave syrup or uh, honey, uh, high fructose corn syrup, because they're all stimulating too many of the uh, sugar-loving uh, bacteria and yeast that will give you uh, more, much more trouble. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this diet would help um, people with other kinds of brain problems or auto, uh, other autoimmune diseases? So I'm a primary care doc, uh, and I uh, advocate this diet for many of my folks who have problems with weight, uh, diabetes, cholesterol, heart disease, uh, and I see them do very, very well. Uh, I also see patients with traumatic brain injury, uh, severe depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, anxiety, uh, excessive irritability and aggression. And again, uh, this way of eating does very well for those individuals. My sense, my, my personal sense is feeding your mitochondria for optimal health is going to improve any chronic illness that you have because all of our organs depend on mitochondria. And helping your mitochondria be healthier and more vital, it's going to improve the health of your organs. Now, I, I don't have scientific studies yet to prove that, um, but it, it certainly matches what I'm observing in my clinics. Well, you know, it's interesting that the, the medical establishment is so tied to uh, controlled clinical trials and, you know, mm. scientific outcomes using yeah. the, the uh, very rigorous protocols, while the alternative um, health establishment or, or approach is much more uh, oriented towards anecdotal evidence. And yet, if you're the one who is feeling better because you are... Um, going on the paleo diet, eliminating gluten and, and, and other toxins from your diet. I mean, that, that's like a hundred percent result. You, you know, I, I certainly think, um, science, we've learned a great deal about disease, but we've not done very well at learning about health and vitality ah. and what it takes to maximize health and vitality. If we'd taken the NIH budget, instead of spending all this money, on these disease centers studying disease, if we had studied health and what are the attributes that we can do to maximize health and push that, I think we'd see a a very different landscape. Absolute music to my ears. Um, So you have some DVDs as well, don't you? Oh, yeah. So what I've started to do is to... I'm uh, lecturing uh, around the state, around the country, and internationally. And I've been recording uh, those lectures. uh, And what you have is a PowerPoint with a synchronized audio. And so I I think there are six DVDs out there that have a couple of lectures on them. Uh, And then a a number of these are also uh, present with uh, simply an audio CD as well. Mm -hmm. How much... you, you don't have to be a doc to understand these lectures. The uh, 
most of those lectures are out to the public. The intensive directed uh, nutrition lecture, there's two lectures on that DVD, one to the docs and one to the public. Hmm. Uh, and what's the difference between them? Big words? Uh, big words uh, and uh, a little more technical discussion, a little more biochemistry to the docs. Uh, in both sets, I do show uh, references because I think the public wants to know that uh, there's a scientific rationale behind what I'm doing. And so I do show that, but I use more basic metaphors to make it far more uh, approachable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what about the relative importance of diet versus the electrical stimulation? Can, oh, absolutely. can they get benefit just from the diet? Absolutely. Um, my sense on that would be if you did the diet uh, meticulously and then worked with a physical therapist uh, who, who could help you design an exercise program specific to you, uh, that you'd expect improvement. The speed of recovery will be somewhat slower, uh, but I would still expect to see recovery. Uh, from my own personal experience and from what I see in our trial, if you uh, go off the diet uh, and you have food allergies, you're in trouble within, oh, within two days or three days. Wow. If you don't have food allergies and you just are growing the wrong bacteria and yeast in your bowels, then it will come take about two weeks to begin to uh, not do well. If you quit stimming, uh, people miss it, but they don't get into trouble. They, they simply sort of miss it. Um, I, I think absolutely the diet is the most important. The uh, stem accelerates the speed of recovery, but you can recover, uh, I fully expect, uh, somewhat more slowly, but you can still recover without doing the stem. But, but you do need exercise, is that correct? I think exercise is very important. And, and for that... Um, it, you can't really design a universal exercise program because each MS person will have a different set of muscles that have become weak. Uh, so that needs to be very much personalized, either with an athletic trainer, a physical therapist, someone who can do a physical exam and identify where your weaknesses are and then help design an exercise program that's appropriate to your level of weakness. As a primary care physician, um, can you see the possibility of this nutritional approach expanding to other disease paradigms and across the country? Well, I mean, quite frankly, I see that this will be ultimately uh, the most health-promoting diet that's available. And I can see it... Uh, greatly reducing symptoms for all types of chronic physical problems, ranging from uh, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, heartburn, uh, asthma, eczema, uh, and all sorts of mental health problems. Now, if you have kidney stones and liver disease, uh, things have to be modified. If you're on drugs, uh, it needs to be, it may have to be modified. It the diet or it the drugs? Uh, uh, well, the diet, uh, because of potential uh, drug-food interaction. I mean, so in general, I have to tell people it's important that they check in with their physician to say, you know, I'd like to uh, do this diet, eat all these vegetables. Um, are there things that I need to uh, be aware of? Can you give us an example of a drug-food interaction? Sure. Uh, so if you're taking uh, Plavix, um, which is an uh, antiplatelet drug, and then you have a diet very high in omega-3 fats, uh, you can end up with uh, a little more bleeding. Uh -huh. If you're on Coumadin, which is a blood thinner, and you have a plate full of greens, it will change your uh, Coumadin dosing requirements. And in these particular instances, uh, Coumadin is a blood thinner. Uh, right. Can you <clears throat> deal with 
the, that problem well, with a uh, diet, yeah. so just in, with diet? In my practice, if I have somebody on Coumadin, I stress to them that, yes, you need vitamin K, uh, but it needs to be a consistent amount every day. So I want you to have a consistent amount of greens. It's critical. So you can have a plate full of greens, but you're going to have to have a plate full every single day. And then we can adjust the Coumadin dose uh, successfully. But if you have a plate full today and none the rest of the week, and then have another plate full uh, on Sunday, that will get you into trouble. So... I, I think all of this just goes to illustrate how uh, delicate a balance we have in our body, and yet the, the the robustness of our system in wanting to heal if we just give it the the fuel. Absolutely. So uh, I suppose we sh- we have to give the usual disclaimer that this is not intended to be medical advice. Well, yes, you know the the FDA has not evaluated any of my statements. Uh, so none of the statements in my book, my website, or in this interview are intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. They're simply education. I want people to check in with their physician prior to starting a new diet or device so these concepts can be tailored specifically to their circumstances. Right, right. Well, I I think you've given so many people so much hope, and I want to just congratulate you for the 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 guts that you had to to take back the responsibility for your own health and to to get out there i I think you took a bike ride through the Canadian Rockies well actually it was a horse ride through the Canadian Rockies uh, but I did a bike ride uh, the courage ride, which was an eighteen mile ride here uh, and when I was up doing a lecture in Canada, I did a, a trail ride. Well, hats off to you, Dr. Terry Walls, author of Minding My Mitochondria. Thank you so much for being our guest today. You're welcome. And people will be able to find your book on our website. And what is your website? Uh, TerryWalls.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y-W-A-H-L-S.com. And you have a foundation as well, the Walls Foundation? Yes, uh, we're... Uh, using that to support additional research and education into the uh, area of uh, nutrition, uh, meditation, massage, and electrical stem, and how that can help uh, slow the disease progress with MS. Well done. Thank you, and I want to say goodbye, but I hope we'll be in touch. Excellent. I want to hear more about you in the future. Excellent. Goodbye. Bye-bye. We're going to conclude our show today with the track of the week, selected by Scott Johnson of the Positive Music Association from among members of the PMA. This week we're featuring a song by Yvonne Smith called Be Here Now.
us be here now by Yvonne Smith from Nashville, Tennessee. She is just one of the PMA's growing group of musicians who are using music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. PMA members have styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, all with positive messages designed to uplift, heal, or enlighten. To find out more about Yvonne's music, go to www.thetravelingvegetarian.tv and to discover more great music or join the PMA, go to positivemusicassociation.com. Well, that's our show for this week, and I hope you'll join us next week on NCR Radio, when my guest will be David Bennett talking about his book, Voyage of Purpose, Spiritual Wisdom from Near Death Back to Life. It's an absolutely amazing story that you won't want to miss. If you enjoyed our show today, why don't you check out our interview archives and our community of readers and authors at ncreview.com. I'm Miriam Knight. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.